0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: I don't have my normal open uh, for my football show because it isn't a football show today. Welcome to the Run to Daylight podcast, where today we're talking baseball. And it's going to be the second appearance on the show from the man named Derek Carty. He is, um, for those of you who know and some who might not, he is on ESPN.com. He is a um, member of Roto-Grinders. He is most known for being the creator of the BAT DFS projection system. He is a Major League Scout School graduate, a former LABR champion, and the master of all that his hair purveys. Welcome to the show, Derek.
2: Thanks for having me on, Todd.
1: Yep, it's good to have you back. Um, For those who might not have uh, heard our first podcast or have a real good sense of your background, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about Scout School and how it you tra- you know you took what you learned in Scout School and have applied it to what you do with uh, DFS and baseball now?
2: Yeah, so Scout School was fun uh, back in I don't know I think it was 2009 now. Uh, Major League Baseball is running this program where all their scouts they would take two weeks and um, they would teach people basically how to scout. Um, it was very it's kind of an exclusive program, only you had to get, um, you had to get an endorsement from a team, uh, and every team really only gave out like two or three endorsements per year, so it was kind of this like tight-knit elite group, and you go out to Arizona for two weeks, and you learn how to, how to scout players, which was, which was really interesting and a lot of fun.
1: Yep, and, uh, You know, uh, it it gives you a different perspective. I think, you know, you work real hard on your projection system, but having that ability to kind of separate who's a good pitcher and who's not a good pitcher and who's a good hitter and who's not a hitter, I I, I notice a lot of times when you're discussing things on roto grinders, you'll say, yeah, the projection system likes them or doesn't like them, but X. And it kind of is a tiebreaker for you. Is that a fair thing to say?
2: I think that's pretty fair to say. I mean, there's certain things that just can't really be quantified. Um, it's pretty cool now because a lot, of, a lot of these scouting concepts are starting to be able to be quantified, uh, which obviously is great from, you know, from the numbers side. But for certain things, you just can't quantify it. And so having that scouting background and being able to, to have that scouting take on a guy uh, can be valuable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I might have mentioned to you, I was a huge baseball fan, a little bit of a baseball historian growing up, and I got out of it. I just got fed up with the steroids and the Steinbrenners in the early 2000s, and it, it it's interesting to kind of come back and see how everything has changed. Uh, but it, it it really is, you know, DFS really is the thing that will get you into uh Baseball, all the more. Have you found that playing DFS makes you even more engaged in baseball?
2: Oh, absolutely. DFS is great from from a fan perspective because it gives you something to root for in games that you might not otherwise care about at all. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of fun. And it gives you, you know, it gives you that kind of fandom back where you kind of need to be aware of whoever the whole league is um, because anyone can be an option for your team on any. Night. So a lot of fun in that respect And uh, I think it's
1: good for the game. Yep Last year you were on Roto Grinders And the bat was on Roto Grinders This year um, You're back on Roto Grinders But where people can find And purchase the bat is a little bit Different this year uh, Why don't you tell people where they can find the bat On Roto Grinders and your pricing And you might as well tell everyone Where they can find you on Twitter as well
2: so on Twitter, I am at Derek Party. My name is very easy to find. Uh, the bat is the new marketplace at Road Grinders now. Basically, uh, Road Grinders contributors get to, uh, get to put up their products after, uh, after everything uh, went so well with the bat last year. Um, now it's a part of the marketplace, and uh, it's 175 for the season. Um, yeah
1: cool and uh th- that's that's good so why don't you just give people a little bit of an explanation of the bat projection system and some of the key points as to why someone might want a projection system versus just a content where people tell you who to play every day hello Are you there? Hmm. I think I lost Derek. Yep, I lost Derek. Um, all right, we're going to hold on a second. I'm going to try and call him. Um, we didn't have a good connection, as you might have seen. Let's see if he pops back up. Um This is one of the great things about doing a show live. I uh, all right. Let's see, Derek. Hey, all right. Am back. I back? Can you hear me? <laughs> I I am. You are. Todd. Yeah. Can you hear me?
2: Yep. I got you. Am I coming in okay now?
1: Yeah. Much better. Much better. All right. Cool. All right. Good. Yeah. I I you know lately I've been I get I get like really caught up in different things. And I recently saw a clip of Bill O'Reilly screaming at everyone. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> I need to get that JPEG uploaded so that when things go wrong, because uh, we're doing a live show, uh, I can I can play that clip. But uh, I guess the last question I had asked you is, you know, for those who aren't acquainted with projection systems, and the you know, in in general, in the bat in particular. Why don't you give them a, a little bit of an explanation of projection systems and why they are better than, let's say, just some guy throwing out a bunch of names and giving you picks every day?
2: Well, for one thing, it's not going to have the bias that, that a, you know, a normal person who's trying to, to figure everything out by hand or by eye is going to. It's objective. It's looking at the numbers. It's not being swayed by by personal opinions or by, you know, recent things that have happening that maybe people tend to overweight, it's completely objective. Um, And so, and so I think the bat gives you a leg up in that regard. Um, Not only that, but it can consider so many more factors that the human brain just can't, and it can weigh them all properly as opposed to just trying to make sense of everything, um, you know, on your own. There's so many things that affect baseball player performance. You know, you have, you have the ballpark and you have the weather and the umpire and the defense and the catcher and, and, you know, platoon splits and all this other stuff that, you know, you just can't necessarily combine in your brain. Uh, So a projection system does that for you.
1: Yep. And um, a projection system matched with an optimizer is really the optimal way to play cash games, wouldn't you say?
2: I would. It's it's a way to basically squeeze as much value as possible based on the projections and based on the salaries um, into one lineup.
1: And, you know, often I'm sure you get the complaint, hey, I tried the bat, and I lost today. Um, Can you explain why that is a little short-sighted and the advantage of a projection system over the long haul?
2: Oh, my God. It's extremely short-sighted. We're seeing it tonight a little bit. The bat liked Kevin Gaussman a little bit tonight. Um, I think it was its fourth or fifth pitcher overall. And Gaussman got rocked. Um, Gaussman was a good play though. There were a lot of reasons why Gaussman was a good play, but baseball has so much variance that sometimes it doesn't work out on any given day. And you see people on Twitter, oh, nice, nice call on Gaussman hot shot. And it's like, well, it was a nice call on Gaussman. It just didn't work out tonight. Like over the long haul, if you use the process that chose Gaussman, you're gonna do well. We actually just posted an article today at Roto Grinders um, showing some of the results from last season with the bat. Uh, Compared to Las Vegas, which everyone uses for their, you know, for their DFS prep, it's like kind of the gold standard. And over the long haul, the bat actually was better than Vegas.
1: Yeah, it looks like uh, Duvall must have... uh... Uh, ruffle the feathers of <laughs> of Gausman yeah. a little bit, taking <laughs> a quick look at it. Uh, man, I You know, that's one team I didn't have in my projections today. Because again, Gausman was he was. You know, even I didn't pitch him, but I didn't target him either. And every day, I kind of break it into guys that I want to p- uh, pitch, guys that I want to target, and guys that are just you know somewhere in the middle that you don't want to mess with. And that was yeah, Gaussman and, for me today. Yeah, um, for every
2: for every Gaussman that the bat likes, there's guys that people aren't on or don't like that do well. Last night the bat loved Lance Lynn. It really liked Ariel Miranda, who nobody wanted. Um and so you see things like that happen. And over the long run, there's more of those than the Gaussman ones, but but the haters are always gonna focus on the Gaussman calls. <laughs>
1: well yeah I, I, I belong to one or two different you, you know i am uh, i 'm a big proponent of the bat. I used it last year i 'm back for this year and you know but on this other site where there 's a chat every time during NBA there was one guy who stunk this guy came on and trolled and it 's like you really don 't understand how this works, do you? because what you 're doing is you 're taking your advantages and it 's You know, baseball more than any other sport is based on, you know, there's a lot of variants. Everyone knows this. And something like the bat helps you to be consistent over the long haul.
2: Yes, and that's exactly it. If you're playing, trying to just win tonight, you're playing it too short-sightedly and you're going to lose money in the long term. You're not trying to, you know, it's nice to win tonight, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to win over the whole 180-day season. And sometimes that requires thinking outside the box a little bit. And the bat is, is very helpful with that sort of thing.
1: Yep. You also have added another opportunity for $125 this year to supplement the bat itself called Premium MLB Content and Team Projections. Tell us a little bit about what's included in this second offering.
2: Yeah, so there's some other things that uh, that I think are kind of good. The bat The bat gives you who the best projected players are, but there's not a whole lot of context for why they're good plays or stuff like that. So, so this extra thing uh, kind of gives me a chance to, to kind of explain why the bat likes players. I'll do a daily podcast four or five times a week that kind of explains the top plays, why I think they're best plays, maybe why I have a scouting take um, on a guy and maybe differ a little bit in my opinion from the bat. I'll do uh, weekly video lessons on an important DFS concept or a misunderstood DFS concept. Um, I will do a weekly chat where I'll hang around for an hour and answer questions from all the subscribers. And then it's the bat uh, game and team projections, where the bat the bat normal projections are just for the players, but this package also includes this year uh, projections for teams, which can help you build your stacks. You know, which team does the bat like the most today? And then it compares it to Vegas. Which team does the bat like more or less than Vegas? Because if Vegas is driving the ownership um, and the bat likes a team more or less than Vegas, you can find guys that are maybe better plays uh, than Vegas is giving them credit for. And you're going to get them at lower ownership.
1: Uh, Absolutely. I I like how you've structured this, Uh, you know, rather than raising the price on the bat and including a bunch of things that not everyone might, have as much interest or the budget for, you decided to offer them separately, which I think is the right way to do this. What's been the reaction to the extra content offering so far?
2: Yeah, so far the, the the reaction has been very positive. There's been a few people who buy the bat and they wonder, why am I not getting the game and team projections? You know, I bought the projection system. Where are the games and teams? Um, but the only reason I did that was just because last year it was only the player projection. And so if I were to re- roll in the game and team projections as part of that package, I had to raise the price. And people who were accustomed to the bad last year might not have wanted to pay more for that. Maybe they just want what they had last year. So this seemed like the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, no, I I think so. How long typically is the daily podcast, and what do you uh, tend to focus on when you do a pod?
2: Uh, I say it's 5 to 15 minutes to give kind of a broad range but it's almost always over 10. Um, And it it kind of focuses on the best plays for the day. Occasionally I'll talk about maybe I'll go off on a tangent if there's like an applicable, you know, strategy point or kind of misunderstood concept. Uh, But generally it's about the top plays for the day, why they're the top plays, things to watch out for, maybe, you know, potential potential risks to, to consider and that sort of thing.
1: I, um, you know, you mentioned the game and the team projections. It is a nice addition that's included in the offering <clears throat> besides just using it for stacks. What are some of the key things you focus on when you're making your lineups as it relates to team?
2: Well, for me, I'm more of a cash guy. So, so the team projections are kind of more just supplementary where, where, you know, if the bat is really close on two guys and one of them is on, you know, is it, his team is in the better spot or his team is projected higher. Maybe you give him a little bit of an edge or something like that. But more than anything, the team projections are better for, uh, for GPPs, for helping you find stacks, stacks that are either going to have a lot of runs, are going to be under-owned. Um, it throws in some other cool things where it tells you how much of their offense is expected to come from home runs, how many steals they're expected to get, how well-balanced the lineup is. And all those things can help you find the best GPP stacks. You, know, you want a stack that you know has a lot of home run potential because you get big points you know you maybe want a team that is well balanced because you don't want to stack a team and have all their offense come one or two guys and have your other two or three guys in the stack not do anything you have a stack where everyone contributes so i think there's a lot of different ways to use it um and i think we're still kind of figuring figuring out what the optimal ways to use it is
1: yeah it's it, it's interesting um you did mention that you're mostly a cash game player. How much of any stacking do you do in cash, and what is your ratio of cash to GPP for all?
2: I don't do any stacking in cash unless it happens organically. Uh, that is to say, if just like a bunch of guys from one team are really strong value plays, that happens usually on a course field slate. Maybe we'll stack, you know, three or four Rockies or three or four you know, guys from the other side, just because it's a field and because you want a lot of exposure to the game. And those guys are the best plays and the best values. Um, otherwise, I won't try to stack in cash games just because it's sub-optimal. I would rather take guys from multiple teams um, that are going to project more rather than a bunch of guys from one team. Uh, you know, when you think about it, no one team can have, you know, a whole roster full of stars. You know, I'd rather pick my stars from a few different places.
1: Yep, and also, you got to realize that you're not trying to get into the top 10%. You're just trying to get into the top 50% or 48% or whatever it is. So, you 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 know, stacks are what can propel you to that top 5% finish, but it, that's not really needed in a cash game.
2: That's exactly it. The whole point of stacking is you want to capture a whole bunch of points. When one team Goes off and they score a bunch of runs and everyone is contributing to those runs. You're going to all of that. You know, if the team scores ten runs and you have five of their guys, they're all going to have big points. Um, but if the team scores zero runs or two runs, you're probably not going to get a lot of points from those five guys. So, so stacking is a very high variance strategy. It's when you really want that huge upside to to be one of the best teams of the whole
1: night. Right. Yep. And you know, for those who can't really afford the extra offering but still want to play GPPs, are there any other parts of the BAT, basic project? I hate to call it basic because it's anything but basic. But it, are there any other parts of the, um, the uh, BAT that you think would be important for people to look at for GPPs versus straight cash value where you're more focusing on just total points and the value per, point, per dollar?
2: Yeah. I mean, it gives projections for every kind of stat. So you're going to maybe want to look at the guys who are projected for the most home runs. Maybe they're not projected for the most points, but if it's a high home run probability and the guy actually winds up hitting a home run, that's great for GPPs. You know, it has stolen bases. Maybe a guy who's projected for high stolen bases, but maybe has a hard time, you know, getting on base. Maybe he's up against a good pitcher, you know, a guy like D. Gordon against Noah Syndergaard, you know, maybe he projects for a lot of steals, but, but, you know, maybe he doesn't project for a great chance of getting on base. But if he does get on base, then the upside is really there. Um, so I think you can look at that kind of stuff, and I think you kind of factor in the own, your own research and everything that you've been doing throughout the day. You hear who other people are on, and maybe the bat really likes a guy that no one else is talking about, and so maybe he's a good GPP play because he's going to be super low-owned
1: yeah i I think that that's one of the ways that I use it as someone you know i gotta be honest when I joined this year. I saw a blurb that there was a extra features this year, and I'm like, oh cool, I was going to join anyway, so I did and then I'm like where's the podcast where's the where's the team stats and i I haven't gotten around to adding the the second package yet, and it's just interesting that um uh, you know, that you can still use the bat and use it in different ways. Speaking of pitching, pitching seems to be the hardest and most important thing to get right on any DFS slate. Do you think that's true? And what percentage of, let's say you're spending, you know, X amount of times a day picking your lineup, uh, what percentage of your time is spent on pitchers?
2: For me, I don't spend a whole lot of time deciding who my pitchers are going to be just because the bat does so much of that legwork for you and because it has been in the past so good at pitching picking pitchers that I tend to trust it. Um, the big decisions usually come down to, you know, a, guy, a day like today where, where there's a bunch of pitchers that the bat likes, but they're at different price points. You kind of have to decide whether you want to spend up, whether you want to go cheap. You know, today the decision was kind of like, Do you spend up on, you know, a Darvish or a Scherzer uh, and pair him with Luis Severino? Or do you pair Severino with a cheaper guy like Kevin Gaussman? Uh, I wound up paying for Darvish, but that's more kind of where the decision process for pitchers comes from for me.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And, 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 And it's based on, like, if you run a calculation on an optimizer, you'll run it with different pitchers. I guess you'll lock those pitchers in and then see how much you like the rest of your lineup. Is that pretty fair to say?
2: Yeah, that's fair to say. You can, you can do a lot of things with the lineup builder at Rotor Grinders. You can lock guys in. You can you know, rerun it. You can kind of see which lineups look best to you, which lineups are maybe projected for the most points, which lineups have guys that, that you want to have, or, or if you're doing GPPs, which lineups have guys that, that maybe you expect to be low-owned. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can approach it.
1: Beyond the bat, what other considerations do you consider for both cash and GPP as it relates to, um, you know, picking lineups? I don't know if that came out the way I wanted it to. Would
0: you
1: mind maybe kind of explaining, I guess,
2: what you're – yeah.
1: Yeah, let's go to the next question. Uh, You know, you're you're basically a low-number-of-lineups type of guy. Is that correct? How many lineups do you typically play?
2: Generally, just one cash lineup. Very, very rarely. I'll split and play two. Usually, just one cash lineup because if I trust that over the long run, my best lineup is going to be profitable by playing additional lineups, it kind of dilutes that profitability. You know, your best lineup, you know, your second lineup can't be your best lineup. Your second lineup is going to be your second best lineup. So, you know, over the long run, your best lineup is going to be the one to probably make you the money so I tend to go with just one. Occasionally, if I'm, uh, if I'm playing a little more GPP, maybe there's an under stack that I really like of a given night. I'll play a second lineup or a third lineup, uh, but just for GPPs. For cash game, it's pretty much just one.
1: Gotcha. Uh, finally, as it relates to the bat, are there any additional tips or important things that you think that people out there should know when they're considering using the bat?
2: The most important thing I think that I can stress is just that baseball has variance. A really good play can turn out poorly. You know, Mike Trout can go into Coors Field and face a bad lefty and he can still go 0 for 4. Like it just, it happens in baseball. And so the important thing is not to be reactionary, not to, not to overreact basically to, to bad nights or bad streaks because they're going to happen. You just kind of have to trust the process and realize that over time it is, you know, it should work out. If you follow a good process over time, you're going to be profitable.
1: What's interesting is, as you said that Manny Machado struck out and he was the chalkiest of the chalk plays today. And uh, I, I I think, I think that kind of proves your point that um, that, 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 you know, that, You you just got to play the long game and realize that the bat gives you an advantage and that over time, that advantage is going to come in. Um, Let's switch over to some real baseball a little bit and get some of your takes on the early season. One of the things I love about the early season in MLB is that a lot of players are priced down because. The, the scoring system hasn't caught up with the talent that they have. I was on Montgomery last night. I, I just loved that kid. I love the way he pitches. I might not have gone to scout school, and it's been a long time since I followed baseball, but I was pretty impressed with him. Um, what do you think of Montgomery, and who are some of the pitchers that you've seen this year that seem to be either have added something that is making them better this year or some young guys who you're pretty impressed with?
2: Yeah. So Montgomery is a guy that I think is pretty solid. He's never been like a super heralded prospect, but I think he's probably about a league average pitcher, which has plenty of value. Um, You know, he kind of dominated the minor leagues. His numbers looked really good. Um, He's not like a pure stuff guy, but he is a guy who, who I think can be successful. So I'm, I'm a fan of Montgomery in general. Um, The bat liked him a decent amount last night. Yes, it did. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the second half of that question?
1: Well, uh, some some other players that y- you know you're high right. on because of their talent that it really hasn't been reflected in their in their DFS pricing yet.
2: Um, well, Kevin Gaussman for, for one, and uh, <laughs> and Luis Severino, his price has been has been way too cheap. Severino has such good stuff. Um, it's a uh, this off season, I haven't uh, fully, I haven't incorporated into the bat at all yet, actually. But one of the things I worked on this off season was uh, basically quantifying pitcher stuff. I mentioned earlier, I went to scout school, you know, I love that type of thing. But there's so much of it that can be quantified now. And so I kind of quantified like, what makes a slider effective? What makes a changeup effective? What makes a fastball effective? And you run those numbers for every pitcher and you find some interesting stuff. Um, like one of the things that is that Lance McCullers' curveball is just insane. Like, Lance McCullers, we have seen him. He's been pretty so far this year, but his curveball is the best curveball starting pitcher in all baseball. It's just incredible. I would not be surprised at all if McCullers challenges for a Cy Young Award this year.
1: It, it's real interesting because, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you, but I remember um, back in, I think it was 1979, Steve Stone, who had been a pretty journeyman pitcher, won the Cy Young for the Orioles, and he really relied heavily on a really good curveball, and he made a comment that the curveball hurt his arm, and he knew he only had so many curveballs in his career, but he was tired of being an average pitcher, so for that one year he threw a ton of curves, won the Cy Young Award, and sure enough he got hurt the next year. Um, Do you find that certain pitches are more likely to cause injuries and limit the long-term viability of a pitcher?
2: Yeah, it's one of those things that we don't have any concrete evidence about right now. They say that sliders or maybe curveballs tend to to increase injury risk, but I haven't seen a really definitive study on it.
1: I got you. Uh, How about hitters? Are there any young hitters that are impressing you more than anyone else?
2: Uh, I mean, Eric Thames, not really a young hitter, but I think he's the one who's impressing everyone right now. He, uh, yeah. you know, he was a little bit yeah. of a... Thames
1: Ruth? Uh, I'm say sorry, Thames that Ruth. That's his nickname now, Thames Ruth.
2: Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, he uh, he was kind of a fringish prospect a while back, uh, never really amounted to much, went over to Korea for, for a few years and just dominated. And now he's back, and he's just tearing things up. And so... Uh, I think people are going to overreact to that a little bit, but Tains is a guy with with legitimate power.
1: Yeah, there's there's no doubt and the Brewers tend to be one of my favorite GPP teams any day because a lot of times when especially when they're home and Coors Field is going, they can really be an underowned team and they certainly have uh a lot of guys there who can uh do really well. Um, you're also doing some other things uh, with Roto-Grinders this year. How often are you doing the radio show?
2: So I've been doing the radio show, uh, little guest spots, you know, five- to ten-minute spots, Mondays and Fridays around 6, 15. Um, and then I do Grinders shows usually three to four days a week. Um, I'll do a weekly article. Uh, and then the bat.
1: And, and And the last question on the bat is, you're you're kind of a perfectionist with this thing. What were some of the, 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 you mentioned a couple, but what are, were there any other kind of improvements that you made to the bat to make it even better this year?
2: Yeah, a lot of it was smaller stuff that kind of goes unnoticed a little bit. Um, uh, kind of eliminating certain biases, um, kind of beefing up methodology in certain spots. You know, one of the things I did recently was kind of improve the way it handles weather. Uh, one of the cool things I think I added this off season that I really like is um, giving it a better feel for pitcher platoon splits by incorporating um, a pitcher's repertoire and his arm angle. We can get a better sense of whether he is going to be more or less effective against same handed batters and opposite handed batters. So you take a, you know, a pitcher like a Brad Ziegler or a Darren O'Day or someone like that who throws from a really low arm angle, you know, maybe relies on a sinker um, And they tend to have really wide platoon splits. They're really good against same-handed batters and really bad against opposite-handed batters. Um, And so the back kind of incorporates that type of stuff now. If we look at the actual platoon splits, like, yeah, Brad Ziegler and Darren O'Day have wide platoon splits for their career, but um, platoon splits have so much noise, a lot of times we can't necessarily trust them. We can't necessarily take them at face value, especially for guys who've only been in the league for a year or two. And so this will give the bat a better idea of who these players are in this regard uh, a lot quicker than the numbers will be able to tell you.
1: Yeah, I love it. And, and that makes sense. I mean, once you have gotten it right, tweaking is probably all that it would need. And, you know, to continue to refine it. I, I really appreciate that you came on again, Derek, is there anything else that you'd like to tell the people out there before we say goodnight?
2: No, I uh, I appreciate you having me on, Todd. This is always a lot of fun. Um, you know, I <laughs> the bat is kind of my baby, so it's always nice to be able to talk about it. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity.
1: No worries. I um, I I really like it, and uh, I think the key point and the key takeaway for me is that you know, look, it, it, the the point you made is, you know, sometimes people are really high on on the bat. And the first instinct is to say, well, no one else is on him. I, I can't trust the bat. No, look at it the other way. If if no one else is on him and the bat's really high on him, that could be a GPP winner for you because you're going to get him low owned. And, there's, you know, you might not know the reason that the bat is so high on him, but you do know that there's a lot that goes into it.
2: Absolutely, and that's one of the things that we found. If you go over to Roto-Grinders, the article just got posted today where we looked at the results of the bat versus Vegas last year. And when the bat deviated the most from Vegas, that is when the bat was actually more accurate. So if the bat's different than Vegas, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's an opportunity.
1: I love it. And, that, and that's going to be our takeaway from the night. Um, use the bat. Join the bat. Get the extra content on Roto-Grinders. Say hello to Derek. He is always very amenable to chatting uh, when you can catch him. And, you know, look, we're, we're all just living life in the fast lane as we try and get ahead. We're going to close out the show with that song from the Eagles, Life in the Fast Lane. Derek, thanks again for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.